Hi, this is Mary here. I just wanted to have a little note here at the top of the show and say that this might be a little bit of a different episode than usual for the Kowski cast. Given the content of the episode and being a memory of Luke Perry, this is probably going to be a little bit less on the jokes side and the general kind of picking at the show Riverdale and a little bit more just talking about the treatment of the episode and of Luke Perry's memory. There might be some comments made and I just want to preface that anything that we say that is commenting on the quality of the show or the silly things that happen in Riverdale are completely separate from how we view the character of Fred Andrews and Luke Perry. And so we just want to make sure that that's understood up front and that we are in no way trying to make fun of the content in this episode, more so just the show as a whole. Hello and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. It's been a little while, everyone. Today we are going to be talking about the first episode of Riverdale Season 4, In Memoriam. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski and I am joined, as always, by the truly memorable Kirsten McInnes. Kirsten, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I mean, I'm doing better now that we get to kind of talk this out and get our feelings out. Last night when I was watching this episode, I was not okay. I was ugly crying. It was a lot. I'm not used to that level of emotion in my life, but I'm glad to actually get to kind of unpack it and move forward. Yes, this episode is coming at a little bit of an interesting time in my life. We've had some family members not doing particularly well right now in my life, and so I've been kind of dealing with some of the similar stuff that the both the characters on the show and the actors I know in real life were going through, so it definitely was making me feel very emotional and and safe to say I've just been doing a lot of crying this week in general. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, Mary. Hopefully, hopefully you're, you're doing okay if you need anything. Yeah, thank you. I'm here for you. I'm sure uh, Tom, Tom Palmer and your Twitter mentions will be here for you too. Great. I appreciate <laughs> it, Tom. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, I know that some people may have listened to our preview podcast that we went through a little bit, which definitely seems like everything in that podcast and in the trailer for the most part is going to be later on in the season, probably in the next several episodes, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit that's hinting towards things later on. But we kind of knew going into the first episode of this season that it was going to be a tribute to Luke Perry and to the character Fred Andrews in general. We had talked a bit about this in the end of season three after Luke Perry passed away about not only how we're they going to treat the character, but how the the death of an actor is a little bit different than just the death of a character in a show for a lot of reasons. And I overall was pretty pleased with what they did and how they actually did not try to make it just about the world of the show and that they seem to be really, you know, not using his death as a plot device, for example, which I was glad that they didn't do. Yeah, I feel like we do spend a lot of time picking Riverdale apart and there is a lot to pick apart in Riverdale. But one thing that I would say is that this episode was very thoughtful the way that it was put together. I'm someone who has lost a parent and I feel like they did a fairly good job of representing kind of the experience of losing a parent 
and you know just the way kind of people react around you when that happens I, I think that it was very thoughtful and carefully put together and I think it's a really good thing that they you know took some time for this episode rather than kind of shoehorning it in with all of the insanity that happened last season I know that for season four they want it to be more of a return to school and kind of normal life for Riverdale and they made this feel like a normal occurrence but also actually really careful and well done so I I was really happy with that yeah overall it was a very character-based episode it was more so about particularly Archie but also a lot of the other people in the town and just the overall effect that the character of Red Andrews had on the town and the actor Luke Perry had an effect on the actors if you follow any of the actors on social media I'm sure you've seen a lot of the continued tribute messages that they've been doing uh, in light of this episode being released as well. And there were even some things in the episode that I wasn't 100% sure. They almost seemed to be more speaking towards Luke Perry as opposed to Fred Andrews, which I thought was nice and was appropriate for this because I'm sure it's tricky when you have a show that's particularly like Riverdale is so ridiculous that you wonder, is the next episode going to feel like are they going to immediately snap right back into typical Riverdale or are they going to have any more of a sort of slow burn back to that uh so I'm, I'm it's going to be interesting to see what they do but I'm glad that they took the time to right up front put this episode in I know this comparison has already been made and we actually talked about it a little bit on the preview show but for example when looking at something like Glee that had a similar situation that they had uh made a tribute episode theirs was actually I want to say like the third or fourth episode of a new season and that one while the episode was was really well done and I'm I'm really glad they had that tribute in there too. I gotta say I like that they just went ahead and did this in the first episode so that they they didn't I don't know I I guess it, it doesn't pull you out of the show and it really allows this to feel more appropriate and timed here than just like oh, we should probably put in a tribute. Well, and I think that it's also going to serve another purpose because they have talked about how they want season four to be more of, you know, back to high school and back to kind of more normal teen activities versus the uh, like gangs and bear attacks and everything from season three. And so this episode felt very solemn, but it also was kind of a good level set of saying, you know, this season is not going to be like last season. And moving forward, I think that we'll probably get at least a couple of episodes that feel like a natural progression before they really ramp up to what's very wild this season. I think that uh, it's great in that way as well as being like a very respectful tribute. I was reading an interview with the uh, creator of the show and he had mentioned that he wanted this to meditate on Luke Perry as a person so they didn't want it to just focus on on Fred Andrews and there was also a quote from like Skeet Ulrich that said filming this episode was very very difficult for the cast there were moments when it was literally impossible to get their lines out because they were so upset so everyone on the show it seems also really really cared about Luke Perry and that showed through as well. I could definitely tell that it was overall just the acting was more solemn throughout. It just felt more real than I think anything we've seen on Riverdale possibly ever. Yeah yeah I mean (laughs) there were moments of this in season one which I think is what a lot of people enjoyed about season one one and except except this episode 
didn't feel dark at all, which was nice. I almost kept sitting there waiting for the moment when they were going to have something wild and out there be mentioned or like end the episode on a cliffhanger or something. And I'm just really glad that they didn't. So that's good to see that they at least did that for this episode. Yeah, I think that if they had done it like that, we would have come out of the episode and started recording this podcast. And I think that there would have been a very different vibe because I think the both of us probably would have been very angry at it being handled that way because I don't think that that would have been respectful. And if that's the way that they were going to handle, you know, the death of an actor and, and therefore killing off the character, then I think they would have been better off pretending he was on a business trip forever. So I'm very glad that we did not have to to deal with it from that perspective. Yeah, and there's a couple things that we're going to have to mention plot-wise that do lend to a little bit of hmm, what's this doing? Does this have a bigger meaning kind of thing? And and to be fair, it's still Riverdale. They're, they're, they still mentioned the bear attack in this episode. I actually liked that this episode was a little bit self-referential. There was a lot of that. And so I have some notes of some of those things that we'll get to throughout. They, they did a very interesting mix of mentioning some of the stuff from last season and also completely ignoring another portion of it. So I'm assuming we'll get there eventually. But so just to start talking about the episode a little bit. And like we said, this is going to be a little bit different of an episode. They did start off with a Jughead voiceover where Jughead basically wraps up what had happened at the end of last season, mentioning that Griffins and Gargoyles was already becoming the stuff of suburban legend. I really hope it stays that way. I don't know, in the context of the show, it's a little bit interesting that something that was so popular and everyone was doing it would just go away that fast without any repercussions, but let's, you know what, we can kick Griffins and Gargoyles to the curb and never mention it again. We're okay with that. Uh, Yeah, I'm very glad with not having to deal uh, with Griffins and Gargoyles anymore. I wonder if we will experience any more of kind of the drug trade this season with the fizzle rocks, the jingle jangle. What's next? I don't know. I hope not. But every season we tend to find out something about, you know, Riverdale and drugs. Season one was marijuana. Season two was jingle jangle. Season three was fizzle rocks. Uh, It makes me nervous about what could be next, but I also don't really see how they could make that a salient plot point either at this point. But you know what? I would have said the same thing about a grizzly bear attack last year, so. Yeah, it's hard because I almost feel like... I don't know if this is just me being distrustful, but, you know, the end of the episode has Archie talking about how he wants to be even half the man that his father was and that he is going to try and do better for him, etc. And that's not really... I mean, that struggle has always been there with Archie, but he tends to be impulsive and he tends to be a little selfish and a whole lot of his character last season was kind of getting stuck in his own head and blaming himself and not listening to reason and doing all the fight club kind of things. And I'm really hoping that given the real world and story context of him saying that he wants to be a better man, that we kind of it's okay. We can move in that direction. There's enough conflict that can be done in the show without Archie having to go down a dark path over and over and over again. Yes, but I also feel like 
now it actually would make sense for him to have that kind of it would make sense for him to have that conflict but it just how can he justify to himself you know putting himself in harm's way immediately and you know not i don't know not living his best life for his mom or whatever when he's just made that promise to himself i guess i i just think it's the type of thing where everything we've seen from archie has been in like the immediate aftermath of finding out that his father has passed away and the way people react react in that moment doesn't necessarily dictate how it's going to be moving forward. I would not be surprised at all if the Archie we get for at least a little while ends up being like very angry at the world and the injustice of it all. And I think that that could lead him down some dark paths. And it might be that, yes, he did make this promise to himself. But I I think that at at that time, you can't really hold someone to the promises that they make to anyone, even themselves. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So we'll It'll be interesting to see where it goes. So something else is that this episode takes place on or right around the 4th of July. Looks like maybe July 3rd and 4th yeah, or so. Yeah, I think a little bit before. Yeah. And so they're, the town is talking about having a 4th of July parade, which they haven't done in, they say, three years. And I'm assuming that means, well, three years is a little bit of a weird number there because I assume they, they didn't do one last year that we saw and they that was when Archie he was going through his whole trial and then the year before that was when Jason had been killed so I guess this is the third year so yeah I I think it might be another one of those situations where the timeline just doesn't quite add up they probably like were like oh it got canceled the year that Jason actually died and then there was another year that we didn't have one and then now another one but like that doesn't make sense with the the time frame yeah so it's it's been a little while at the very least so like I said we mentioned griffins and gargoyles and we mentioned the fact that the town seems to be quiet and normal and and going well no mention of the farm here which i think is there was a, a brief brief mention did they at the it? yeah at the very start oh yeah they the terrors of the farm weren't forgotten um yeah and then during that scene they show a clip of uh sheriff keller and kevin running together yeah and so i think that what that is what we're supposed to take that to mean is that uh, sheriff keller is keeping a closer eye on his child now that he didn't die in the cult thinking oh uh, maybe I should pay attention to my kid that's that's what I took from that yeah that's good and, and that was something that we had talked about in our predictions of whether or not Kevin was going to have sort of immediately snapped out of the hollow farm situation or not because Kevin is one of the few people unlike Cheryl and Tony who actually snapped out of it when they were in last season Kevin never really had that moment and so no, that's... Kevin tried to lock Cheryl in the freezer or whatever right so he's I don't know if uh uh, this time apart and time spending with his dad maybe has been good for him or not. Uh, I assume we'll find out more later because while the farm wasn't really mentioned a whole lot this episode, it's still clearly going to be a plot point because we still have characters in the farm at the moment. Yep, that's right. We need Alice back. Yeah. So there were a few other short things mentioned. Jughead is writing a story for some sort of story contest, which I think gives a little bit of background towards why he's still writing, considering his book, I'm pretty sure, was supposed to be about Jason Blossom's death, and most of the Jughead voiceovers in the second season had to do with him writing papers for the Blue and Gold or for the Register or things like that, or just giving voiceovers. Didn't necessarily seem like he was writing a book that much yeah well and this is isn't this contest how he 
he's going to be getting into the prep school, he wins a contest. That's what I had seen in an article. That sounds completely likely. That is not something that I know about. I didn't do a whole lot of research into that. I know that I had seen an interview with Cole Sprouse where he mentioned that he was going to be at a different school at some point, but I didn't. I wasn't exactly not trying to spoil myself because I don't know if I really consider that to be a spoiler if they're talking about it, but I just didn't do any research into it. Yeah, that was, um, I believe it was mentioned in the Cosmopolitan, like everything you need to know for Riverdale season four article I read. So I, I don't, maybe that's where I got it. Maybe I got it somewhere else. Anyway, sorry if I spoiled everyone, but I don't, I think we'll find out pretty quick about that one. Yeah, I think that's going to be a relatively big plot line from what I can tell. So this was a little bit more fallout from season three. If you don't remember, both Hiram and Hermione are in different prisons, I think. I mean, Hiram is in his prison that he built and Hermione seems to be in some sort of jail cell somewhere, which we see at the very end of the episode when she was reading the obituary. So got a few shots of that kind of thing at the end. We'll get to that more later. But besides them, all of the other Riverdale parents seem to be making, or at least adults, seem to vote that they were going to have this 4th of July parade, which Veronica seems to be somewhat sponsoring, or Pops is at least sponsoring it. So Veronica and Archie and Bughead, Bughead and Jughead and Betty are working on this giant milkshake glass float. Looks pretty cool. I don't know how they made it. And they're all in super cute cute outfits too. Like Betty's overalls were so cute, the overall shorts. A lot of the outfits in this episode were really cute. The only thing that bugs me about them is that Veronica, her the difference between her winter clothes and her summer clothes seems to be that she doesn't have like leggings with her dresses and skirts, but instead is just wearing a skirt and then a sort of, it's like they're, they're not usually crop tops, but there's a little bit of space between the shirt and the bottoms, but there's still these like tight fitting dark material they just don't seem like they would be the most comfortable thing to be wearing in the summer. Yeah, but I think that uh, Veronica is the life of glamour, and so she doesn't care about comfort. Well, okay. Good to know. I do not live a life of glamour, so I dress more like Betty, I like to think. I don't. I wish I could be as cute as her wearing those overalls. You definitely could. You just would have to buy the clothes. I would. And you'd have to buy something other than, like, a maroon. Nah, I can only wear maroon. <laughs> That's my, my one color. So, Cheryl is upset about this parade happening, which we do see she, the one thing they decided to mention that we had had some predictions on, she is in fact living with dead body Jason. So glad that's still a thing. I I don't know what this building she's in is though. Yeah, she's in like a weird like white, like is she in a mausoleum? I don't know. I wish we could just not have to talk about her hanging out with the dead body of her brother. It's so just creepy. Weirdly, the building she was in almost seemed to be the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, but like as if it was all painted white and then had a bunch of flowers put in it and like looks really beautiful now. Which does sound like what the farm would have done with it. So she might actually be there. It's it's a different building than we've ever seen for sure, this hallway that she was in. But yep, she's sitting next to dead body Jason. And so she's upset because they're having a parade on a weekend that she views should be, uh, I guess, a, a solemn time because that's when her brother passed away. Although we do actually actually know that her brother did not die on the 4th of July. He he actually didn't die until several days later. Yeah, that's just the last time he was seen alive. Yeah. By so, not his murderer. Right. So that wasn't great. She also literally shouts over my dead body while she is sitting next to her brother's dead body, which is a little bit, a little bit, uh... 
It's too nose. much. The, it, like, it really is. There is, I don't care what plot point they come up with, what they do with this dead body Jason situation, there is n- absolutely no way that it makes it worth this. This is horrifying to me. Yeah, it's uncomfortable for sure. Also, I weirdly noted now that I remember Cheryl being able to drive back in season one. So if anyone's still trying to figure out how old Cheryl is compared to everyone else, that's a little piece of information for you that I just remember this episode. Also, on on the good side of continuity, uh, Jughead's wound from having his tattoo skinned off him back in season two is now back, so they're spending more time putting that on, even though they completely neglected it all of season three. Do you think they listen to our podcast? I think that is 100% the case. They definitely listen to our podcast. Hi, Riverdale cast and crew. We love you guys, clearly. Without you, we would have no podcast, so. Or we would start podcasting about One Tree Hill or Twilight. I mean, we're going to podcast about Twilight. That's (laughs) non-negotiable. Right. All right. Pretty shortly after that, all of that sort of thing takes place in the first maybe five minutes of the episode. Pretty shortly after that, we get into the memoriam part of the episode. So the way, and this is something that a lot of people had been speculating for a long time of what were they going to do with Fred's character. So Archie is at Pops for breakfast and he gets a call from his dad, which now they don't really explain this because it sounds, you just hear a man talking and then Archie falls to his knees and drops the phone. Now, at first I thought this was him talking to his dad and then hearing his dad get hit in real time, but that didn't really seem to make sense with the context of later on. That's not what I took from it. I thought that it was someone in law enforcement had his dad's phone and was calling like the frequent contact. Okay, yeah, that see that makes a lot more sense. Because I I don't think they would have gone through the trauma of him hearing because as well when he talks to FP, uh, FP mentions like what happened uh, as in Archie didn't know and I feel like there would be context clues if he had heard it happen. Right. Th- yeah, that makes much more sense. I This is why I was initially a little bit confused of why he had gotten the call from his dad as opposed to just getting a call from a police station. I, I guess it makes sense why they did that that way. So then we get FP telling the story to Archie and Mary Andrews that Fred was helping someone fix their car on the side of the road and another vehicle hit him. I'm glad that they just up front did not try to make it some kind of mystery where this was going to be the thing that Archie needed to solve for the next several episodes and make it some sort of bad guy or whatever. I'm glad that they normalized it a lot more and while this is a a tragic event, even in the context of the show, this is something that does happen. I don't know how frequently, but definitely, you know, roadside accidents are pretty common. And Archie, of course, like his character is wont to do, wants to track down the person because it was a hit and run situation and they pretty quickly tell him, you know, that they're taking care of it and they will find the person. Now, here is something that I just noted because they have a conversation next with the, I'm guessing, funeral director or someone involved in the funeral home Mm -hmm. business. Why is it a $9,000 cost for transportation? That seems like a major scam for a, I know this is a business, but a business that's like, I mean, someone has just died. This is not helping the family. Yeah, it's it's the situation like that whole business is so like honestly predatory the way that they do things. Like I know like with my mom, there was a whole meeting that we had and they basically have a freaking catalog that they pull out of like all these different options and here's what all the costs are and even like the minimum cost option is so much money and 
it's truly crazy. Like, I know we had the experience where the funeral home kept calling us and wouldn't stop calling us over the course of, like, the first two days after my mom had passed away. They literally were calling us every couple hours to try and sell to us. And it's, like, it's the type of thing where, like, all sales is, like, kind of predatory, but this sales in particular makes me feel pretty uncomfy because you're really preying on people in their most vulnerable time and there's not really options. Like, you can't really go somewhere else. Yeah, and and this may be a sort of weird comparison, but it made me think of, like, the wedding industry that is in some ways similar of just outrageous costs for things that would not normally be that costly. You know, food does not cost as much as a wedding buffet that is $70 per person, even though you're getting realistically $12 worth of food. So there's things like that. Yeah, this, this was something that made me feel a little bit... I don't know. It definitely felt like the show making a dig sort of at that at that business. Yeah, and I was I was glad glad to hear that because they mentioned that uh, Fred was upstate and I thought we already thought they were in upstate New York. So I guess he was further upstate. But yeah, I mean it's it's not even like he's there he's being moved internationally or something or across the country. Yeah. He's in the same state. Yeah, I, I think that they I don't know why they chose nine thousand dollars as the as a number to go. It might actually cost that much money, to be honest, uh depending on how far they are driving. But uh this did when they mentioned it, they mentioned that he was in uh Cherry Grove, which is confirmed a town in upstate New New York. So, oh, that's a real town. Okay, I just I googled it. So after this, there's a a sweet scene that's all of the I, I guess the the. I don't know, children, the teenage friends sitting around who, in this case, based on the people who are sort of still in the show at this point, is Archie and Reggie and Kevin, Jughead, Betty, and Veronica. So that seemed about appropriate that those were the people there. Those are the people who, in the comic books, would have been Archie's closest friends at the very least. So I thought that was appropriate. Everyone sort of goes around and tells a different story of Fred. Reggie discusses building a treehouse and how Fred drove him to the hospital when he broke his arm when he fell out of the treehouse. Betty's said that Fred did a potato sack race with her at a picnic and sort of subbed in for her dad who wasn't there for that day. Jughead talks about how Fred was so helpful and caring when his dad was an alcoholic and made sure that he was doing well in school and wasn't hungry. And Kevin says that Fred built and donated all the sets for the musicals. And then Archie talks about going to Sears with his dad to ride the tractors, which is something that I definitely did growing up. We would go through Sears, you would sit on the tractors and try them out. I don't know why that's a thing. It's kind of like how people People sit on the beds at Ikea. Yeah, that's definitely not a thing that I've ever heard of before this. So okay. it, it was it was one of those things that I forgot that that was a thing I used to do until he said it. And then I went, oh, yeah, of course, I used to do that all the time. So that's cute. Yeah, I thought this was a, a sweet moment and it, it felt more in tuned with the comic book characters than these characters have since about season one, which was nice. Yeah, and it felt just like very authentic of like things that you do when somebody passes away. So again, very respectful and thoughtful. But then Archie kind of is overcome and he asks everybody to leave, which of course everybody's like, yeah, like we'll go. It's fine. We'll go. Whatever you need. Yeah. And so then he has sort of a, I think it's a dream. We can just go ahead and say it's a dream where he sees his grandfather, who is known to be also deceased in the show, Grandpa Artie. And he's downstairs and he said that everyone's waiting for him. And this is an interesting group of people. So it's packed. The the entire dining room sitting around the table and then standing around them is full of like pretty much every character in the show, including ones who are are probably not in the show anymore. Like some interesting ones were Hiram's there. So we know that he's not in the area at the moment. Penelope, Clifford Blossom, 
Hal Cooper, Jelly Bean, and Ben Button. There was someone in the back who I was staring at for a long time trying to figure out who they were, but I'm pretty sure it's Ben Button. So they were all there. Interestingly, everyone is wearing black except for Jason, who's in white, which I think that's just the show liking to pretty much only ever show Jason wearing white. It was weird, though, because I sort of at first thought, oh, well, Jason's dead, so that's why he's wearing white. But there are several people who are dead at that table who are not yeah, wearing white. Yeah, it's almost like there is no memory of Jason Blossom beyond that white outfit that he wore out into the, the lake or river with uh, Cheryl. Yeah, so that was an interesting choice. Uh, in this dream, Archie is told basically that you're supposed to go get him because another thing about that $9,000 was they weren't going to be able to move him until I think the 5th or 6th of Yeah, um, they July. needed to wait because of the long weekend. Right. So Reggie brings by a hearse and at first I was very confused about why Reggie had a hearse, but then I remember, I think, doesn't his dad own a dealership or something? Yeah, his dad owns a car dealership. Yeah, so that makes a little more sense. So Betty, Jughead, Veronica, and Archie all drive uh, through the night, I suppose, and they end up, so they go by the sheriff's office in Cherry Grove, where they ask about if the person has been caught. They're told that they know the make and model of the car, but they didn't get a license plate, so they haven't caught the person from the hit and run yet. But the sheriff does give him the information about where the accident was and where his dad's truck is that is still there. That, to me, is a little bit weird. Just some of some of the process here, the fact that the car has not been moved from the side of the road seems a little bit weird to me. I but. mean, it, it had only been like a day, and if there is the long weekend, it could have been maybe difficult to get a tow truck or something along those lines. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very weird as well how the uh, sheriff's department gives him all the information he needs, no questions asked, whereas when he goes to the funeral home, he then has problems. He should have had problems in the first place. Like, they shouldn't be giving effects over to a minor. Procedurally, it didn't make a lot of sense, but for Archie's journey, it did make sense. There was a little bit of that that was kind of like, why are all of these, including FP, why are all of these law enforcement members just giving Archie, basically answering any question he has about, you know, what's essentially a crime that's still in progress here, even if his dad is involved. So they do go to the funeral home, which is now open. Kind of interesting that the funeral home is open, even though they supposedly couldn't move the body because of the holiday. So guess just the driving portion of the funeral home is closed. Typically speaking, if you work in, like, if you're a funeral director, you're on call. So it doesn't, like, fully, fully close. Someone I went to university with, their dad was a funeral director, and he would routinely get called, like, out of family functions to go, like, embalm a body. Like, it was... Interesting. People die all the time. So that part is there, but the transport, it's possible that the person who would normally drive the hearse is not available at that time, especially since he was further upstate. So possibly an even smaller town than Riverdale. Right. So Archie basically shows up and says like, hey, I'm here to pick up my dad. And the guy's like, that's nice. I'm sorry about your father, but that's not possible because you're literally underage, which is interesting. This is the first time this has ever been mentioned in the show that that an adult has made any qualms with him, anyone, anyone being underage. But Molly Ringwald saves the day, calls the guy, tells him to allow it. Also, did, did Mary Andrews and Fred Andrews ever officially get a divorce? I kind of feel like they never actually signed the papers. I don't think they signed the papers. Yeah, because I note that she goes by Mary Andrews and also has been around more recently, so I kind of think that maybe they just were separated. So then Archie wants to see his father, but ends up sending Betty and Veronica in to do it, and that was 
another really hard moment in the show. I think watching that was particularly difficult. I think that was possibly the hardest moment in the show because you get that moment of Archie saying like, but what if they made a mistake? What if it's not him? A little hopeful. Just like him having that like last piece of hope taken mm-hmm. away. Like that was really hard. Lily Reinhardt, like I think she did a particularly good job acting in that moment. The emotion on her face just when she walked in and then being like, yeah, that's it. Like she did an incredible job. That was by far for me the hardest part to watch. Yeah. And this is something that I've been thinking about particularly recently when it comes to loss of loved ones and, and at what point does it feel real to people? So for me, my situation right now is that my grandfather is very, very sick. Uh, He's had some medical issues recently and he's in hospice care right now. So he's sort of in the process of his body completely shutting down, which is a difficult time right now because you, he's still alive and you can visit him and talk to him, but he's not able to respond or completely there. And, you know, I've been trying to think about like, at what point is this going to hit me that this is happening? And to some people, like in this case with Archie, you know, I think the actually having to walk in the room and identify the body would be like, it's like, it's that last loss of the complete hope. And, and for me, I feel like it's not going to be until I go to visit my grandparents the next time and it just be my grandmother. I don't know if it will really hit me until that point. So it's, it, it, you know, it works differently for all different people, but it was definitely an emotional moment. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, like in general, as people, I think that every Everyone is worried about death. And as much as you might say, oh, I'm not afraid of that or or anything like that, it is like a great mystery and ending depending on on what your your belief system is, right? And we as a society kind of uh, try not to talk about it and avoid the topic as much as possible. One of the people that I work with was a palliative care nurse for a long time and uh, she always stresses uh, the importance of of really talking about it and going through it because this is something that we all experience in our lives and it's something that we almost are so uncomfortable to talk about that it makes it really difficult for anybody to to deal with and move on like I know from my point of view like I will bring up yeah like my mom's dead and that makes people uncomfortable but that's a them problem not a me problem and uh it's it's just something where I think we do need to kind of it's not I don't want to say stigma but we need to people in general just need to be more comfortable talking about these things because that's the only way it will ever be easier to deal with or easier to get through versus just kind of like pushing things down I know that's kind of an aside but I it's something that's very important to me no that's a that's a really good point and almost like the fact alone that even though this is just a tv show but the fact that it is dedicating an episode to very real death Mm mm-hmm is is not just bottling it up and pushing it aside, but is yeah. trying to talk about it. And yeah. um, I don't want to say normalize it, but kind of, you know, it's a part that everyone has to deal with. It's a thing in life that everyone has to deal with at some point or another. So no, I and I really it was done very well and very thoughtfully and not pushed aside. And I have a lot of respect and appreciation for that. Yeah, we get another nice moment here where Cheryl sort of changes her perspective on the Fourth of July weekend and talks with Mary Andrews and mentions, you know, that after her brother died, she felt super alone and she never wants Archie or Molly Ringwald to feel that way. So she wants to do something for their family, which at the end of the episode, we find out is them. 
basically turning the 4th of July parade into a tribute for Fred Andrews. Yeah, which is a very nice moment. A couple other things that they put in this episode that I think this is kind of where you get a little bit more into the Archie character development side of things. So Archie goes to get his dad's truck and he is, a a woman shows up with some flowers at this point who I did not recognize, but um, you said you didn't recognize. Yes, so uh, this in the show is the character that uh fred andrews had been helping when he did pass away and it was uh shannon doherty who played brenda on 90210 uh back in the day when luke perry was on there as well uh and so he played dylan and she played brenda and they were kind of uh one like a big romance in the show and he was kind of like the the boy from the wrong side of the tracks a little bit of a bad boy she was from a very affluent family and they kind of fell in love it was a very Romeo and Juliet type romance for a long time. It stretched for a lot of the series. And so they brought her into this episode because obviously she and Luke Perry had been, you know, close in real life from having worked together from a very young age. And I guess that they had actually tried several times to bring Shannon Doherty into Riverdale for a cameo, but the scheduling had never worked out for her. And it was something that Luke Perry had tried to do several times. So uh, by bringing her in, it kind of fulfilled something that he had always wanted to do with Riverdale as well as uh, provides a little bit more context to this being also a tribute to Luke Perry, not just to the character of Fred Andrews. Uh, so that was a really good addition. That's really nice. Yeah, I didn't, I've never seen 90210, so I didn't, uh, didn't recognize that, but that's, yeah, that's, that's adds more importance to the scene in general. And that was another one where she was talking about how Fred was a hero and, and we find a little more context here, which is that he saved her life. He was not just a kind person who was helping her out, but he also, the car was going to hit her and he pulled her out of the way and that's how he died. So, um, Archie is a little bit upset that his dad had to die a hero, feels like it wasn't a heroic death, it was more senseless that, you know, what's the point of kind of doing nice things if this is just how it's going to end? So he has a little bit of breakdown there, and at this point, this is again where we get a little bit of a awkward law enforcement kind of moment where FP calls Archie and tells him that they got the name of the person who hit his father, and he goes ahead and tells Archie not just his name, but where the guy's from, which I guess theoretically, if you turn yourself in, would be public information, maybe? It probably wouldn't have been that soon, though. Like, the thing is, is probably after the long weekend, there would have been something in the newspaper about this local man, George Augustine, has been arrested for a hit and run, has made bail, and is awaiting, you know, a a trial date. Uh, It wouldn't be as immediate in the press as what he got. So I really don't think that FP should have been saying this, especially just like, like, it's not helpful right now like it's nice to say hey we caught the guy who hit your dad there's gonna be more coming up in the next little bit like get ready to see that in the newspaper that makes sense to me giving the full name and location of someone doesn't make sense to me yeah and and he sort of like is like oh maybe oh Archie just hung up maybe he's gonna go after him oh no what did I do it's like yeah dude like you know Archie you know exactly that this is you went through the whole thing with the black hood you know that Archie is the type to want to go after the guy luckily for Archie Riverdale takes place in an alternate universe where there are still phone booths with phone books in them yeah everywhere that's convenient so 
and uh, that in this town there is only one George Augustine. So Archie finds him pretty quickly, goes to his house, and sort of roughly grabs the guy and, and punches the wall near him. Turns out, though, that his son was the one who had been driving the car, his underage son who doesn't have his license, and that his dad just said that it was him in order to protect him. Which, and okay, I don't mean to quibble with things so much, but it probably would have been better for the son to just turn himself in being under the age of 18 and yeah. less likely to actually go to real prison. I, uh, I Yeah, I think so. I think the, the concept here was probably, oh, he doesn't want this to be on his son's record or anything. I, I get the feeling that Archie probably is not going to let this father, <laughs> innocent father, just go to jail. So I'm assuming that Archie probably informs FP that his, this guy was not actually the one to do it. But I I don't I don't know if we're ever going to get any more information from that. I, I kind of feel like I could picture Archie kind of being like, I mean, not that Archie has control over this mm-hmm. outcome, but sort of advising that they give the son a pass almost. I don't know. I think the other thing too is that uh, this part felt like maybe the only really shoehorned in part of the episode. Episode, uh, where I think that they wanted it to be where it was really the son and the father covered for him as like an allegory for Fred always protecting Archie and so to me it felt a little bit forced I could see maybe Archie doesn't say anything because he knows that if Fred had done the same for him he wouldn't want it to be for nothing yeah I see that and I but I also think that it was kind of Archie being able to see some of himself in the kid and being able to admit like you know taking my dad's car when I didn't on my license it was something I had done multiple times and you know I'm a I've been a careless child too like I think I think it's it might be a little bit harder while Archie has never hit someone with a car is probably a little harder to maybe blame someone who does remind him of himself in some ways I don't know I I don't really think I have a feeling we're not going to get any more of this plot and this is probably going to be where it ends I don't I can't imagine that in the next couple episodes we have any kind of follow-up with the Augustines unless unless they have have some other significance. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see like a, a whole bunch more from them, like maybe within the first four episodes of the season, but I don't think anything past that. Yeah, I kind of doubt it. The other the other kids meet up with him and they end up going to take the horse and get Fred's body, which has now been prepared for movement. And FP actually meets them at the entrance of Riverdale to give Fred a police escort the rest of the way home. And this is where I mentioned before, where the sort of Fred tribute Fourth of July parade kind of thing happens and it's it was another really sweet sort of emotional moment you get a lot of shots of people in the crowd holding signs that say things like fred andrews always in our heart welcome home fred etc and i think this is to be assumed here that this is what cheryl organized yeah Yeah. so that's uh that's a nice moment there uh one note again tony is there holding one of polly's twins there is no mention of polly i told you cheryl has custody and will not give them back yeah it's a little bit interesting Interesting. Josie, Kevin, Mr. Keller, and Attorney McCoy are at the house. Just something I want to note here because it was it was something interesting that Josie was in this episode is I think potentially the shot where all of the people are sitting around the table, including many of the characters 
who are deceased in the show, including, like I mentioned before, Ben Button and uh, Clifford Blossom and Hal Cooper. I think probably a lot of that had to do with the actors wanting to be a part of the memoriam episode and a way to bring them back. That's a typical thing that shows will do. So I think that makes a little bit more sense there. But um, but yeah, we a lot of people had speculated whether or not Josie was going to be in any episodes in this season. But she's there and she sings a beautiful rendition of Amazing Grace during the funeral and Archie gives a speech. Then we get a couple things here that are a little bit more wide-scale Riverdale plots. For example, Veronica talks to the funeral director and says that she's, you know, willing to pay whatever kind of bill they need for this, and the funeral director says that Hiram has already paid for this. Now, just to stop down here, do we think that this is a of bigger significance? Is there a plot point behind this? Is this Hiram just feeling bad? Because I gotta say, I don't think that the character of Hiram would feel at all bad for Fred Andrews dying when he just spent the last season trying to jail and kill Archie many times. Yeah, I don't think it's a situation where Hiram feels bad. I think that this was a circumstance where Hiram saw that he could exert his power and authority over Veronica and the town of Riverdale in general, and he took it. That That's what I would get, and I would say that it's more than anything an indication that Hiram has not given up. Okay. Yeah, which is interesting that they tied that into this episode. I don't have too many complaints with it, but we'll see where they go from here. I think we all know that Hiram is still going to be a pretty main villain in this show, and I was mostly just surprised that this was included in this episode at all, but it didn't detract from too much else that was going on. Similarly, there is an interesting scene of Betty looking at Hal's grave, which is sort of closer to the tree line. His grave has trash all around it and is spray painted with the black hood burns in hell. I actually had completely forgotten that he only just died. For whatever reason, I thought that he had been dead for much longer and I was like, oh, interesting. We've never seen this grave before. But this is actually a pretty new thing. So because he did only die in the finale of the last season when Penelope Blossom was the one who killed him. Yeah, I thought that this was a really interesting way to kind of mirror different kinds of loss and how Betty is also going through it. Even though obviously her father was like a horrible man and a serial killer, like you could tell by the way she's like trying to brush trash aside. She obviously still like cares about her dad, even though he was bad. And there's like a little bit there as well. And I thought that that was uh, a really interesting thing to feature. Yeah, it's something that I also noted in conjunction with her comment earlier on her story about Fred and about how he had sort of been a substitute father for the day is that in the canon of the show, Betty actually had a really good relationship with her dad up until he was the Black Hood and that they had a big bond and that, you know, they used to work on cars together and had a pretty typical father-daughter relationship. So it's interesting to sort of remember that, but also see this really great father in Fred that is lost um, in compared with her father who did also try to kill her multiple times. So that's not great, but it was interesting that it was there. And I, I guess there was a little bit of question of like, who who buried Hal? Did she make that grave? And you know, now I'm thinking maybe there was a shot of this in the finale of last season. I'm kind of feeling almost like now there was just Betty and Jughead standing by a grave at some point, maybe. I'm blanking. That's possible. That's possible. I'm also blanking on it, but just because Alice was not around. So then the, the very end of the episode, Jughead writes an obituary for 
Fred, which was something that Archie had asked him to do earlier. It's it's a nice little paragraph, mostly centered around how Fred really loved Riverdale and how he was one of the few people who was pretty much purely working to make the place better and uh, was working in good of the town, which has been a major plotline of the last three seasons was Riverdale going to the dark side and having all these problems and, you know, having fathers who killed their children and dangerous games and these drug trades and corruption and etc. And Fred, meanwhile, was one of the few people who still seemed pretty optimistic and still was refusing to move away and it was his home. So there was a lot of that. They mentioned that he was the town's good Samaritan, their George Bailey, which took me a minute to remember is a It's a Wonderful Life reference. So I see that connection, definitely. It really is actually so fitting. I can't believe that I had never really thought of it before because it's like we had heard before that Fred had wanted to leave Riverdale several times and then didn't and that's George Bailey through and through. Yeah, definitely. And then we get several shots of of interesting people who are not in the town of Riverdale at the moment reading this article. So we get Hermione Lodge, who appears to be in a very temporary-looking jail cell, which is a little bit odd considering she's been in jail for presumably months at this point, if it's July. I'm assuming she's in, like, white-collar prison, though, and it's a lot more lax. Well, that's that's the thing is you would think so, but what I'm saying is it looks like she's in, like, the Riverdale jail. Like, it's you see the bars. She's not in, like, a room. I don't know. It, it, it looked like she's just sitting on a bench. Um, I'm sure that they just used that set. Uh, whereas mm. Hiram, who is also, we see him reading the obituary. He is in his own high security prison. And then we see Alice Cooper, who you can tell there's a farm poster in the background. And so she is still at the farm. I'm a little bit, in, you know, interested that she gets the Riverdale register at wherever the farm is. You would think that would be traceable. <laughs> But yeah, she must be uh, actually not so far away is what I took from that. And then it kind of lends to the thought of maybe it wasn't something mystical when they left. But like, I still want to know what's going on with those floating babies. Yeah, we may or may not ever get that answered. Might have just been 100% a hallucination. Yeah, it, the the timeline of this episode following the cliffhangers at the end of season three, we really did not mention the farm much at all. We did not mention Charles, uh, Betty and Jughead's brother at all this episode. We did not mention looking for Alice or anything, which makes sense because they had a lot of other stuff to cover in this episode, but I feel like we're probably going to get some more talk of this very early, uh, probably the next episode, I would presume. I would guess. And then at all the kids are back in the Andrews backyard and they shoot off some fireworks just sweet but also a couple times in this episode like this point I'm like wow you guys are really close to all these rockets that are being shot off like Cheryl lights one and then stands one foot away this is nitpicking I understand but if the main point in this episode is that Fred Andrews gets hit by a car on the road and then they just stand around on this same road and there are not only no cars going by but they feel completely comfortable standing in the middle of this road was a little bit. Yeah, that was odd. Yeah, that was definitely odd. And then Archie goes into his garage himself, and we have a few shots of Fred from past seasons. Also, one of the shots is of Fred putting up the soundproofing. I feel like I never saw this shot before. This, I wonder if this was a deleted scene or something, but it looked, I, I wrote down shots of Luke Perry. It, it just screamed Luke Perry more than it did Fred Andrews, which was interesting. Yeah, because I know we had seen a little bit of him doing soundproofing, but not, I don't think from that angle. So yeah, I, I do yeah. think that that was a, I think they really l- went through and looked at, you know, additional footage they had and thought, what 
can we put in here? And yeah, I did seem more like Luke Perry than Fred, and they probably did that purposefully. He was also wearing glasses, which I know is something that Luke Perry does a lot more, but I did not feel that. I feel like, have we seen a shot with Fred and Andrew's doing that? I, I don't think we have. I think that it also could have been a shot from when they were, like, setting up the positioning for that day. Yeah, that seems more likely. Like a dress rehearsal type shot. Either way, it, in in the show, it seemed intentional. It, to me, it seemed like this is a Luke Perry shot and then this is a shot that you see Fred and Archie with the jalopy that was very clearly taken from the beginning of season three. So that was interesting. So all in all, I thought it was a very well-handled episode. Definitely very somber, uh, but also very sweet at times. I think that pretty much everyone did a great job having this be a Luke Perry tribute, but also fitting within character of the show, which I thought was great. Not too much else here to talk about a lot. The title of this episode in memoriam is also the name of a very famous poem by Alfred Lord Tennyson, so that seemed the most appropriate reference here. In terms of some of the other stuff we typically do, we should definitely highlight this is the Fred Andrews episode. This episode is dedicated to Fred Andrews and Luke Perry. If we wanted to do like an actual most normal person, I don't really know who to pick because for once, I think everyone had a fairly normal representation of how they would react in this situation like it none of it felt like a caricature it all felt so real so I am in favor of putting no most normal person but dedicating this episode to Fred Andrews yes I I agree and I will say you know we make fun of him a lot but KJ Appa and the character of Archie I thought this was one of Archie's this best was incredible episodes. the acting yeah. that he did was amazing and it really you could see like he was obviously acting very well but you could also just feel the raw emotion and pain I'm sure that uh, Luke Perry's passing was not easy for him as I'm sure they spent a lot of time together on set and it it felt real and it was really good and I I normally would make all kinds of jokes about Archie but in this scenario I think that it was well written and well acted and it honestly makes me even think that the issues that I've had with the character Archie in the past are writing and not acting based yeah it, it, it almost made me think you know if this is how good Archie can be, you know, show, lean into this more. You can go here. You can make Archie be a real person in addition to being a comic book character. And just drawing from that inspiration, I think, is something that they should look into doing in the future. Yeah, 100%. We'll see how how the show divulges. I'm sure by episode, I don't know, five or six, we're going to be right back to where we used to be. But we can always hope. Yes, I feel like uh, I often and have more hope than I should for this show. But this episode did leave me with kind of a reminder of how good Riverdale can be. Yeah. So we actually have a review that I have been saving for several months now. This was given to us right at the end of season three, and I did not use it as a review on any of our summer episodes, which were all from season one, because this was a little bit more season three, four related. But I'm going to go ahead and read this one now. This is from Faded Glitter, and it was way back in May. May of 2019 that this was given is titled Great Observations and Commentary. 
This podcast is great. It's like they're echoing my thoughts and frustrations with this strangely enjoyable show that I shouldn't like as much as I do. I am just glad to hear someone else exasperated with Veronica's endless list of jobs and Archie's strange turn as a boxer. Also, why do these high school students own multiple businesses and how do they have time to run them and still go to class? Listening to this podcast is enjoyable and fun. I'm here for it. Thank you, Faded Glitter. Thank you very much. And if anyone else would like to write a review and have it read on the show, you are welcome to do so on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is. Yeah, and since it is the start of a new season, getting new subscriptions and star ratings would actually be a really big help. Honestly, even if you wanted to unsubscribe and resubscribe, that could help us out. Subscribe on your friend's phone. They don't listen to podcasts. They won't notice anyways. Anything like that would be really, really helpful for us at the start of a new season. And again, we only read five star reviews. We will ignore you if you give us less than five stars. Also, for anyone who may know someone who would like this podcast, but maybe isn't caught up to date with Riverdale, we are going through season one right now. Uh, We have finished recording that and I am just finishing up releasing the last couple episodes of that season. So you that is a spoiler free podcast uh, with a spoiler section at the end that you can choose not to listen to if you're not caught up. We also will be starting season two after that. And of course, we have all of season three out. If you know anyone out there who was waiting for the show to come out on Netflix before they wanted to watch it, season three is on Netflix now. And season three of the Riverdale recap is on KowskiCast.com and iTunes and all other podcatchers. So that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back next week for our recap of episode two. Until then, you can follow me at Frail Mary on every platform and social media. And if you're interested, you can check out any of those other podcasts I have mentioned on KowskiCast.com. That's Cal with a K. You can also find Kirsten all over the internet at Kirsten Said What. Kirsten has also recently started Twitch streaming. If you want to follow her there, she's playing The Sims. Which Sims are you playing? Are you playing Sims 4? Okay, so I'm playing Sims 4 because it was free and I downloaded it. But, and this is breaking news, I was taking out the trash in my apartment building a week ago and I saw a box of what looked like DVDs. And I was like, what's this? And it was The Sims 2 and The Sims 3 and like 10 expansions for each. So I took them and need to get a disk drive for my computer. But I'll be able to play Sims 2 and 3 with like crazy expansions, which is much more fun than Sims 4 Basic. So you're a dumpster diver now? No, it was in a separate box like to the side. It was not okay. actually in garbage. Uh, it was just in the garbage room. And I literally lost my mind. I'll send you a picture, Mary, of the stack of cases because it's so much. It's so much Sims. Growing up, my sister used to play Sims all the time and we had The Sims 1 and we had like every expansion of The Sims 1. And then when The Sims 2 came out, we had The Sims 2 and every expansion of The Sims 2. And then we bought The Sims 3 when it came out, but we were not able to install it properly on our computer because our family had a very old computer. So we were trying to install it on like Windows XP or something, which was not working. But I have not, I used to love playing The Sims. I think The Sims 2 is my favorite of The Sims. I think that while you can do more character wise in terms of like literally designing facial features on The Sims 4. There's just nothing like good old classic Sims 2. Yeah, that's Scally's favorite too. So yeah, recommend. I am also on Twitch at Frail Mary where I am going through the old Harry Potter and Nancy Drew PC games right now. So if anyone wants to check any of that out, feel free to look into that as well. We're having a good time over there. It's very, it's much like listening to a podcast, but slower and with more pauses and also playing a video game and also just like well for me it's a lot of like how do i do this because i've never played <laughs> the sims before so uh cheat codes you can, you can cheat come codes. no i only have been taught one cheat code so far 
and it's to put items too close together. <laughs> um, I'm trying to really learn how to do this properly. I want to really know how. Next next stream, which I don't know when it's going to be because I'm very busy. I'm going on vacation. We're going to find my, my sim Beth, a man. She's going to have a baby and we need to find a, a father for that child. Beth. Beth. Mm. Beth Allen. Oh, 31, wow. Wyoming. Yeah, gotta love Beth Allen. All right, everyone. <laughs> Until next time. Bye. It won't stop.